Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Kyles here for CLNS Media, coming at you with another episode of Pat's Daily. Finally living up to the name now in the offseason. The show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. More from them later. But for now, we uh, got some comments from Gerard Mayo earlier this week about the Patriots burning some cash. Now, of course, Mayo was joking. I don't think they're going to go out on a 2021-type spending spree where you're just throwing money in all the wrong places. But to see where that money could be best spent both both in-house and outside, I had to enlist the help of friend of the show, Brad Spielberger. I've already used you and referenced you like three or four times this week. I was like, you know what? I might as well just get him on the channel, get his insights. Brad, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, the uh, the 2021 spree is interesting because once again, we're probably getting a rookie contract quarterback. And the once again, the Pats are near the top of the NFL in projected cap space. So it does kind of line up pretty interestingly uh, like it did a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're just hoping they allocated a little bit better. No more of those massive deals to a tight end who's only going to play on early downs. And then eventually kind of not at all. Uh, so we're going to start in-house, talk about some of the guys that the Patriots should address immediately. Now, I asked for your list before this. You brought up some names I feel like are pretty popular and one that I think might be sliding under the radar. So we got Mike and Wenu, and I feel like unanimously everybody wants to bring Big Mike back. Most reports indicate that, you know, there's mutual interest from both sides. I know Jeremy Fowler said that it seems like he's an afterthought and is going to leave. That's kind of gone contrary to everything I've heard. Then Anthony Jennings, someone I've been pounding the table for. An early down player who I feel like may not get a lot of attention outside of the team, but anybody who contributes as many tackles for loss or no gain as he does, I feel like you got to bring back. And Kendrick Bourne, the heart and soul of the team, obviously towards ACL, unfortunately, and you saw an already really bad passing offense take an even deeper dive when he left, and he's also expressed interest in coming back. So let me know what your profile is on all these guys and what kind of money you think they're going to demand if they do end up coming back. Yeah, so I think the, to start with Anwenu, I think the interesting thing there, and maybe, you know, what Fowler was hearing or pulling from was, you know, he was playing guard to start the season. Obviously, there's, for whatever reason, some hesitation to leave him at right tackle. And so I think it was natural to see, you know, Antonio Mafi and City So and all these guys get brought in and just think, okay, this is classic Patriots. This is a Joe Tooney situation. They're going to let this guard walk, who's a very good player, maybe in their eyes, not a great player. Although Tooney, I think, probably does fall in that second bucket. But anyway, uh, and uh, and just kind of continue to do the Patriot approach, which for the most part has been successful. But uh, I think now when you look at this team and even if you feel comfortable about guard, which you probably shouldn't to a degree with some injuries and whatnot going on there, with Trent Brown also a free agent, an older guy, missed some time as, as he tends to do, was really good when he did play. I'm just not sure why you wouldn't say, all right, we have a guy who is reliable, who does have position flex still. I think they should just leave him at right tackle. But let's say things break down. You get the cliche of, oh, you know, we need our five best out there. That's like, that's a Mike Onwenu quote, right? So I just the number one offensive lineman in free agency, the most sought after guy. Look, we love him. PFF always grades him extremely high. I do wonder with all the movement in today's NFL towards these outside zone schemes, they want guards that weigh 295 pounds, not 350. So I just, mm -hmm. I wonder if that shrinks the list of suitors a bit 
Um, and if New England continues kind of a gap inside zone and, and different approach, more bully ball, he just fits so well there. So that's the start there. Anthony Jennings, my, my favorite, I think, stat I've found so far doing my free agent rankings, he had the highest run-stop win rate in PFF history this year. Like, I want to, like, make that clear. Yes, if you divide – so defensive stops for us are basically like a, a, a zero or negative EPA play, meaning, mm -hmm. you know uh, – On first down, if you only get three, his run stop rate this year for an edge defender, I should say, not all positions, but um, was the highest of all time. Uh, you know, so is he it looked that way too? That's not even that surprising. Every time they ran his way, it felt like it was a stop. So, yeah. So, like, look, is, is he is he a kind of a specific role player? Does he not you know win one on one pass rush reps a ton? Yes, obviously, that's why he wasn't playing a lot, but. New England, I think more than any other franchise in this league, has always found a way to keep players that have a specific role and do it extremely well. And I think they frankly value that more than a lot of other teams that want these all-around talents or these guys that can do a lot of different things. You know, Bill, would have, hey, I'm signing this guy to literally cover tight ends, and, and that's all he brings to my defense. Like, so I know Bill's not there anymore, but but anyway, obviously there's continuity. We got Bill Jr. <laughs> exactly. Right. They call him Gerard Belichick. I was laughing yep. at that, uh, that quote. Yeah. So, so he's one for me where I, he's not going to cost a ton. I have him at, I think, six or seven million dollars a year. Um, it's actually a pretty good edge rusher class. Yeah. But it's again because the guys that get paid are the guys that can pin their ears back and get after quarterback. So, uh, there's that. And then the last one, yeah, Kendrick Bourne probably falling under the radar because he got hurt, obviously. But should he be a number two, maybe even number three receiver in most offenses? Yeah, probably. But he was the best receiver on this team when he was playing. Um, I just think, I don't know, for me, there, there's some obviously football elements to it as well. But Extremely hard worker, not the biggest guy, but he, he is willing to block uh, if asked to do so. Um, I think he honestly is underrated as a route runner. I think he has nuance to his routes. He has late hands. I think he sells his breaks well. Like, There's just a lot of technical stuff there that I like, and obviously he's overcoming a, a mediocre athletic profile. But anyway, I just don't see why they wouldn't try to bring him back into the fold. Absolutely agree. So I also want to get your take on a couple guys that could potentially be extension candidates for the past. I feel like Christian Barmore, obviously crazy breakout season. I feel like people, I, I said that I thought he was pro bowl, all pro caliber, and it sounded kind of crazy just because he's flown under the radar. But then you also look at one, the tape. Like when you consider what the Patriots ask of their defensive linemen, he's not shooting up field very often. A lot of it is two gapping, you know, controlling offensive linemen and reading, which is not easy to do. And then as a pass rusher, he still has to be gap sound. And he did a tremendous job of working within their scheme and still being a dominant player. The first three down interior defensive linemen they've had since prime Vince Wilfork, I think you could probably say. So what do you think about him? What kind of number might that look like if they do extend him? And then, of course, Jabril Peppers, where I know PFF, he was a darling. I think he was like maybe one of, if not the highest graded run defending safety, one of the highest graded safeties overall, really found his niche in that defense when he really got healthy. What kind of number do you think he would demand if they were to try to keep him around long term? Yeah, I think both guys, honestly, were, were PFF darlings this past year, uh, if not in general. Um, you know, Barmore, I think it's a great shot. Where, you know, when I'm watching this film, this for these free agents that are, I know we're not talking free agents, but that's where my brain has been for months. Um, you know, we, we have this, you talk about all pro and pro bowl. It's just way harder in today's NFL to get on that list as an interior defensive lineman because there are so many good players. And we obviously fall in love with these one-gapping three techs that just shoot up field, make plays in the backfield, or vacate a gap and are kind of, you know, like not a problem, but it's what they're being asked to do. But so, yeah, like Balmer, we it was 50 pressures, eight sacks for us. We count half sacks as full sacks. I don't know how many actual sacks he had. But, um, like, 
when you actually watch the tape, like you're saying, and see what his responsibilities are to read and react to two gap, to be sound against the run, it makes his production more impressive because the top guys, mm-hmm. like people talk about Quinn Williams this year, oh, his sack production came way down. Yeah, because he wasn't just flying up field when he did when he was flying up field, he was making plays almost every time. Um, so yeah, I mean, he it's interesting that that market obviously took off last year. We saw a bunch of guys sign for above twenty million dollars a year. I don't like speculating here, but like he fell in the draft a little bit for you know reasons that you know no one really knows outside of you know the buildings and um, you know missed some time of course last year. But t- on talent alone, I mean, you know, going back to his college tape, he is a premier player at that position. Logged what over seven hundred snaps this year in New England. Yeah. I gotta think it's. 18, 20, you know, plus million dollars a year. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, of course, the, the, you're always competing with what would I get if I go to market? If I play one more year and, and I and other teams are bidding for my services, um, former, you know, top 40 pick, all those things, it'd be a lot. So I, I think it'd be a very, very big price tag. But if I'm New England, I pay it. Peppers is more of the, you know, the injury history is obviously pretty long. And, and the, the difference between Barmore and him, especially again, like, free agency has a backdrop you can get so many solid starting caliber safeties in free agency there's just mm-hmm. there's way more supply um and, and in turn less demand there so you know i think you're still just looking at kind of more of the same like two years 10 million maybe even that's a little bit rich so like just continue you know good deals solid veteran deals make him a focal point of the defense um but he, he's not going to cash in i think at this point in his career that's totally fair, especially with the injury history and everything like that. No, with Barmore, I I forgot to mention the stats as well. Like you talk about, I know there's like been charts about how often guys get double teamed. Barmore is one of the guys who gets a lot of attention consistently. And then you say like batted passes, run defense and run stops. Like frankly, this feels sacrilegious to say, but if you're talking about like him and Chris Jones, if you compare their seasons, if you're talking down to down and, you know, specifically what the Pats look for in terms of like contributing on every single down, I'm taking Barmore for my money, but of course, Chris Jones is still an amazing player. Just speaks to what I thought of Barmore last year. And then I want to close out this in-house segment with who you think could potentially be cut. Now, I feel like at the top of that list, you got guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, and J.C. Jackson. Now, J.C. Jackson is someone they can cut, and there's no penalty. They don't have to pay anything. Juju and Parker are difficult because they've been signed to bad contracts. Devontae Parker, although he did have a good summer, like – it's hard to really, when you're just reading reports, it doesn't really sound that way. But being at training camp, he was making big plays every day to the point where I asked cornerbacks coach Mike Pellegrino, like, are you a little bit worried with Gonzalez? Because he's getting beat by Parker like every day. And Pellegrino was like, yeah, I know he's learning from him. And the receivers clearly like him. But then you see the injuries obviously continued to pop up. Uh, the effort was definitely questionable. A little bit of accountability issues when you have to drop against the Raiders. And then in the locker room, he's kind of like, yeah, I touched my fingers. It's like, ah, or man, you definitely could have caught that. And then there's also plays where he's not running routes 100%. You saw against the Bills, contributed to an interception where Rasul Douglas went right through him because he drifted on a route. But still, not a great contract. And then Juju, of course, didn't even finish out the season. He missed the last few games, didn't contribute nearly like they thought he would until his final game of the season. So are any of those guys you think realistic cut candidates? And how much would they have to eat? And Do you think it's just too much and they have to try to find a way to trade them after that deadline? Yeah, so obviously they're going to cut J.C. Jackson's from his current contract. They're not going to pay him, you know, fourteen plus million dollars, but that might be just a cut to re-sign to a different deal. Um, like mm-hmm. you said, no penalty there. So yeah, that, that's that's a lock. The receivers are interesting because, like we're talking about, though, it still is not a very strong group for the roster. You know, haven't seen the growth you were looking for from some recent draft picks. Obviously, Pop Douglas has been great, but you know, some other recent ones haven't really panned out thus far. 
even when they get healthy, come back into the fold, not really being utilized all that much, which is a big signal, especially if you're not productive through the air. So Juju's tough, right? A $7 million guaranteed salary for this upcoming year. And this is historically where you would think this team, with how good they are and, and the you know promise of a ring every single season, can get guys to take pay cuts. And players want to rework things and make it easier for them to add more talent and, and all that. Obviously not a reality we're, we're working with here. So, yeah, I mean, Juju would have to be a trade. And I'll tell you, I don't know anyone who's trading for a $7 million fully guaranteed salary for Juju Smith-Schuster just because of the injuries. I mean, not to, like, take a shot. Albert Breer saying his knees could explode any moment wasn't the nicest thing to say um, <laughs> about a player. But he does – the reason why he's struggled to get that kind of big-time multi-year deal for his whole career, his, his knees aren't, aren't in a great spot. But um, anyway, I guess I had to throw that in there. Parker <laughs> – at the same time, it, like it's a net neutral cap move. So didn't have a good year, like you mentioned. Um, you're supposed to be the contested catch guy. We know you're not going to separate from anyone. And then mm -hmm. you also didn't even bring that element to the table. It's tough, but you, there's no savings there. Um, so it, it's just kind of hard to envision. I think a couple smaller ones that pop out, like Lawrence Guy is interesting to me. Going to be 34, 35 years old next year. I think you saw that on his film. Obviously a good early down guy against the run. I just don't know if you saw it as much this past year. They have, you know, kind of cornerstones there, like a Devon Gotcha, other players that are those early down D tackles. So um, I, I would say he's a name, but yeah, otherwise, not a ton of obvious cut candidates. You are a pros pro. Sorry about technical difficulties. You just kept going. I love that. Um, all right. So we're going to move out of house, get your ideas on some top fits for your top positions of need. But before we do, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. The NFL season is wrapping up. Why? There is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, pick a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 
All right. So unfortunately for the Patriots, uh, you have their top positions of need as the four most important positions in football. Quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, and edge rusher. So let's start with quarterback. Who do you think are some options on the market that would actually realistically fit the Patriots, you know, who probably, like we said, are going to go out and draft a quarterback? They've got Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Maybe they keep Bailey Zappi because he showed some spot starter potential. But I think you really do. I think last year they missed like that Brian Hoyer, somebody who kept the room together, had a lot of experience and can kind of mediate things and keep things cool. So who do you think would be a good guy to potentially serve as a bridge as well? Maybe someone that you expect could potentially have to start a few of the first games of the season for you or just be somebody who could really help mentor young quarterback yeah I, I promise i'm not just saying this because he obviously has the patriots ties but it certainly does help i mean i think jacoby Brissett really it was underappreciated how good he was for those first 11 games in 2022 i think you saw him continue to grow and work on uh, avoiding pressure and navigating pressure in the pocket um i think he was more comfortable manipulating the pocket both just moving laterally but also using his eyes to move defenders like I think you've seen him with more and more reps and actual playtime since he's left New England, like becoming more comfortable and just like, like, like just solid quarterback all around. That would really be a really nice resource for that young rookie quarterback. So even when he came in Washington, I felt terrible that he got hurt and couldn't close out the year for the commanders because he was good um, in, in that one game he came in and played. So, yeah, I, I just think he makes a ton of sense for a million different reasons. I don't think they should be chasing you know, the Kirk Cousins, higher-end market players, Baker Mayfield, etc. Get that veteran bridge, a guy that knows his role, fills it well, and it is, of course, a, a nice added bonus that Brissett has, you know, a lot of ties to the building. Absolutely. All right, what about wide receiver? Because this one is a little weird because there's a lot of names. I know you're top 10, but it seems like at least two, maybe three, maybe even four of those names could end up getting franchise tagged. We're talking about T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley. We don't even know if they're going to even leave the building. But, you know, if they do, we'll just, you know, play La La Land a little bit. Who do you think would be a good fit for what the Patriots need right now? Yeah, look, if one of the marquee guys makes the market, I think that is where you make a splash. And it's actually funny you mentioned 2021. I'm not sitting here saying it, they did great. But in, in reality, getting Matthew Judon, Hunter Henry, Jalen Mills, like guys to finish their contract, like that actually probably was, if you compare to the historical quote-unquote hit rate of free agents, they probably did have a decent class, um, mm. you know, which, which you might sound insane when you hear me say that. What it's actually highlighting is that you don't find long-term high-level solutions in free agency. That's that's the bigger point. So right. if one of those guys reaches the market, though, of course, like if T. Higgins or Michael Pittman um, gets there, you, you, I mean, I think you need to be one of the biggest offers on the table and just address the position that is the biggest weakness on your roster that will help a rookie quarterback come along, you know, build and, and develop and, and have that safety net, that reliable option. I think Kevin Ridley will test the market. I think that one's going to be interesting. There was a press conference today uh, where, where Jaguars GM Trent Baalke specifically said he'd be willing to use the franchise tag on Josh Allen, the edge rusher, mm -hmm. which in turn would mean that Ridley um, at least gets to test the open market because there's only one tag. So he's interesting. His statistical profile this year was hilarious. He had like 140 targets uh, quietly and had like half of those were, were caught. But and there were some drops, but if you watch this film, I think all six of his drops that we had charged, maybe seven, happened in the first half of the year. I think he maybe had one drop mm. for the second half of the season. And he's still a guy that I think has good, like, wiggle to his routes, can create separation. I think he's probably better now as, like, you're a Z and, and, a, and a move receiver that gets, you know, free releases, not like an X that's up in press, maybe, you know, like, deals with more contact at the line, but he's a great, great player. So, anyway, the guy I sent over to you, though, uh, that I thought was interesting – 
was Curtis Samuel. And I think you bring mm-hmm. a different skill set to the table, a guy you can give handoffs to, a guy you can you can throw underneath, he will make players miss in space. Or back in Carolina, he was like their deep vertical threat. So mm-hmm. he's just a you know a very diverse skill set there. And I think it would again be a safety net, a reliable player for a young quarterback to work with who was quietly pretty darn good in Washington this past year. Yeah, he's an interesting one because like the injuries obviously factor into it. But I remember the first time he had free agency, I was like, that seems like someone the Patriots could potentially get. And as we know, like we don't know what their scheme is going to be necessarily. Like if it's the McVay scheme, then maybe you get some bigger guys. I'm actually curious if it is the McVay scheme. I feel like Kendrick Bourne fits that pretty well because he's your Z who's physical. He can insert in there. Who do you think fits that like Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua kind of role with their bigger bodies who can get in there and take on safeties as well? That's a good point. I, I guess at that point, I would maybe look into it within the division. I'm not the biggest Gabriel Davis fan in the world, like as an overall profile, but I do think he has a nastiness in his game when he's blocking. Uh, I think a couple of his teammates were talking about it uh, on Twitter the other day. Like, he is kind of just like your 17-yard average at the target, deep threat. I, I don't love the way he breaks routes off, particularly in-breakers, like a lot of wasted footwork and stuff like that. But, yeah, if you want a guy who's willing to block and, and, and you know, get dirty, like, he, he does do that. You see that on tape a bunch. I'm also curious what your thoughts are on Jawan Jennings, because obviously the clip last week where he blocks the guy literally into the Gatorade cooler, and it feels like he's a good middle-of-the-field kind of guy, kind of similar to a Kendrick Bourne. Do you think he'd be a guy who would fit in that kind of offense? Yeah, no, no no doubt about it. I think it's probably one of the big reasons he's still on that roster, frankly, is his ability and his willingness to block, and then he's, you know, a sure-handed number four that can, you know, almost like you're talking about like serve as a pseudo-tight end, and and, and in their bunches and, and their tight alignments can really line up as like, an inline tight end, you know, from a formation standpoint, um, and take on some of those responsibilities. Like he's not gonna like displace the defensive end by himself, but he can get in the way of a lot of players. He's a big body. I don't hate that that shot at all. Absolutely. All right. So moving on from wide receiver, close out the offensive position, offensive tackle. Who do you think the Patriots should be targeting? Obviously, Mike and Wenu, like we said. Frankly, I would love for them to get enough tackle depth that he can move back to guard. Because like you said, I like City so, but with Cole Strange, he had two significant knee injuries. You don't know how he's going to bounce back. Then City so, maybe he slides over. You don't even know if David Andrews is coming back. There's a lot of questions on that interior. So who do you think they could bring in? Maybe start with Trent Brown if you think it's likely that he comes back. I feel like the determining factor is how he is in the locker room, like whether he's burned some bridges or whether it's like, hey, Nobody had fun last year, come back on a cheap deal, whatever. But, you know, maybe Trent Brown or if there's some other guys you think would be good fits. I think there is a good relationship there, I would assume. I mean, he kept coming back to New England for a reason after kind of bouncing around, taking bigger contracts elsewhere. You know, it, it's a he's a, a complicated – like, it's there's nuance there. He has the weight clause in his contract, and, like, he's awesome when he plays but probably will miss a couple games here and there. Um, you know, and it sounded like when, when some reports came out that were saying he was a problem, like, internally the you know teammates were saying that was not true um and like mm-hmm. trust me as someone who covers the whole league like when it is true is t- teammates just don't say anything they don't they don't agree with it uh, that's a very kinda, good point yeah <laughs> yeah they they kind of just say oh yeah i don't know uh you know and that's not what happened like i feel like i saw some like no trent trent is our guy like you know he, he fits in this locker room so yeah i mean he's an obvious one for sure if you were going to go bigger scale here i think jonah williams from cincinnati is interesting Look, is he a perfect player? No. Has he dealt with injuries of his own? Yes. But he quietly hasn't missed a whole lot of time in several years now. He played on the right tackle this year, but has historically been a left tackle. And I just think with him, like, he's not a great run blocker, but I think he has a very high floor as a pass protector. 
Again, he's not like an elite pass protector, but when I watch him on tape, he handles uh, speed to power really well. I think the bendier edge rushers can get around him a little bit, but but the bigger body defensive ends, he can absorb and and handle that contact. So, you know, it's again like you talk about premium positions in free agency, not really a thing. Um, but he he is, I think, an intriguing like I won't say buy low, but a former 11th overall pick that has been a starter the whole time. And mm-hmm. I have met, you know, about $16 million a year, kind of just the Orlando Brown deal. That might even be generous. Um, it is tied to the fact that he's kind of the only like young starting caliber tackle on the market. Um, but I, it's worth exploring in my opinion for the Patriots. Do you think he'd be a better fit on the left side or the right? Cause I know he wasn't really happy about having to move over to the right, but just like talking to Bengals people, they say like, yeah, he's like good, not great. So is that the kind of guy that you want on the left side if that's where he's looking to play? Or is he just good enough that it's like, hey, he's not spectacular, but he's not going to be the reason you lose games. As someone who watches him probably more than I do. That, that's kind of where I put him in that bucket. And I know it's not mm-hmm. like it's inspiring and exciting, but I guess like for, for a frame of reference, like Charles Leno with the Bears used to get all this flack. And I was like, guys, he is a league average or slightly above average left tackle that you're paying mm-hmm. mid-tier money to like he is a value on this roster i get that he's not trent williams but like you just kind of have to appreciate sometimes how hard it is to find a, a starting caliber left tackle in this league or, or you know a, p- a plus starter so i think he belongs on the left he did play right tackle at alabama um i think his second mm-hmm. to last college year and obviously like i said just played there his past sets looked a little bit clunkier this past season. Like when I watched the tape for the first thing, I was watching 2022 and 2021 just to see him play left tackle. He could do it, but I think he belongs on the left side. Awesome. All right. So close this out. Edge defenders. Like obviously Matt Judon got hurt last year. He's another year older. They already had to sign him to a bigger contract uh, to try to get him a little bit more money. This offseason, he's probably going to look for something the same because he's not supposed to make a whole lot. But that's a position where you probably don't want him playing a ton of steps, maybe if that's just early on. And behind him, there's not a whole lot of depth. You got Keon White. I thought he made a bigger impact really when he was on the inside of the defensive line. And obviously, Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche are now free agents. Anthony Jennings, like we talked about, is someone they should probably prioritize bringing back. Josh Uche is kind of a weird case because he had the foot injury, the production. It didn't fall off a cliff or anything, but he definitely didn't pop as much as he did when he broke out in 2022. And their scheme also, you know, you have to play some contained so he can't really pin his ears back the way he'd like to. So what do you think about Josh Uche first, I like to say? And then outside, who do you think are some guys that could potentially come in and fill that role for them if they could really, you know, just spend their money um, at some of the better guys? Yeah, if you can get Uche on a contract that reflects that he's a designated pass rusher that's going to play, you know, 400 snaps a season um, in a very specific role, second and long, third and long opportunities, and I had him, I think, two years, 15 million, somewhere in that range. Like, I would do that. You just never know there's a risk of – we've seen it a million times. Like, I think I wrote about Pernell McPhee maybe in his section, maybe in Bryce Huff's section. That was also, I guess, all these Bears connections. Like, Pernell McPhee in Baltimore played, like, 350 snaps, but he was awesome as a pass rusher. The Bears gave him – what equates to like a 15, 16 million per year deal at that time. Like if I, if I, you know, reflected it forward to now, I'm not paying that for Josh Uchi, right? They took a risk there. He was good early. then got hurt, which was kind of always a concern, less of a concern with Uchi in terms of like major injuries. But, but yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned like, this is a defense where you need to be able to play contain. And I know we talked about Anthony Jennings, but uh, a reason why I love Jonathan Greenard with the Houston Texans is another really, really good edge defender, a guy that you watch that can like truly set the edge and, and just long arm guys and hold off tackles or hold off tight ends that are chipping him and stuff like that. 
not going to win, you know, a one-on-one a, -on -one a ton with a bunch of like nuanced moves and stuff like that, but did have a, a quietly pretty solid 12.5% pass rush win rate, which is like above average uh, for an edge rusher. He had like 14 and a half sacks. I want to say a lot of those were kind of clean up and pursuit um, from Will Anderson and the interior guys they had, but really, really, really good all around football player um, that just, you know, had, had a breakout year in Houston. I have his deal at about $16 million a year, kind of in that Judon range. You know, again, if you forecasted it forward, but I think just a really, really good fit for what New England wants to do. And do you know if he has any experience standing up? Because I feel like the only guy on the Patriots roster who kicks out on the edge and gets in that lower stance is Dietrich Wise, and he usually kicks inside. So I'm wondering, like, if he does Grenard have experience standing up, could he be more of an outside linebacker who does a little bit of everything? Or would they maybe have to tweak the scheme to maybe play some more, you know, 4-3 over fronts or under fronts, something like that, where he can really play to his strengths? Because watching the film, I thought, considering it's a Nick Casario-run team, that maybe he would have more versatility, but I didn't see any of him standing up. So I think in early years of his career, because they've had like a different defensive coach, I think every year he's been in Houston, right. um, I think you did see that. And he missed time with injury. Yeah. Um, he's about 6'3", 265 pounds. So he is a bigger, you know, edge rusher. But I think that I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm not. I, I think there is some of that on his tape. Uh, I mean, it is a good point. Obviously, you're looking for maybe more of an outside linebacker type build. Um, but I, I think he's capable of doing it. I, I do. I think you saw a guy that is not a burstier, bendy athlete, but a good straight line athlete and a guy that, again, can absorb contact. It can like, I don't think he needs to have a hand in the dirt. I really don't, but you know, uh, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Okay. So we, I got your list of guys who are the most realistic options. Cause you know, we've been doing these wish lists, and you know, if you want to spend money, that's awesome. But like we said, there's franchise tag implications. There's a lot of things you got to think about scheme fits, stuff like that. So realistically, we have it up here. We talked about a lot of these guys already. Jonathan Grenard, Curtis Samuel, Jacoby Brissett. They'd be good fits. But I want to hear what you got to say about Jermaine Illuminor, who, when you sent me this list, I was really excited because I feel like he's such a good fit. Nobody talks about him. But he's very quietly been pretty good for the Raiders. Like, not at all liability. If anything, he's been at least solid to, like, pretty good. And then Zach Moss, who also kind of flew under the radar once Jonathan uh, Taylor got back but was killing it when Jonathan Taylor wasn't available. So first, I guess we could start with Jermaine Illuminor. Why do you think he would fit? Also, as I should note, a former Patriot. Yeah, the connection there too. And this one, I, again, I swear was not, that's not why he's on this list. But yeah, he's interesting. So the, the Raiders scheme from a rushing standpoint and, and I guess a pass pro standpoint is not one that, that when I watched, I thought would protect tackles or make their life easier. Like sometimes, you know, for transparency, we're grading right tackles on the Niners and they're getting like every guy you, you and I would get an 85 you know, run blocking grade. Uh, and it's like, that's not, or, or pass protection because they would chip a ton, um, you know, or, or just do all these different things with personnel packages and alignments. Like he got left on islands a decent amount and, and had a very low pressure rate allowed. I frankly thought he was going to sign a better deal last year. He returned to the Raiders on a one year, $3 million deal. I'm guessing maybe they wanted to see, all right, can you do it again? And I think he was even better this season. So He's not great at the second level in space. Like you're not, which is tough for a right tackle. Like I don't think you're going to have like him pulling and leading a run to the right side, which a lot of teams obviously want for a right tackle. But as a pass protector, um, just really, really, I think high floor, um, good feet. Another guy that I think handles power, speed rushers really well. Again, a little bit susceptible to the bendier players, but I, you know it's 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 hard to find a tackle in free agency that that's good against all types of rushers. So I think it'd be a great fit. I think my projection here for him is like two years, twelve, two years, fourteen, something like that. 
which might even be generous because there is the capped athleticism and upside. But again, like a really high floor player, I, I think he might have to be a right tackle though. So it kind of gets complicated with like, it's probably an either or with on the type of situation. Yeah, and with that Rams scheme, they don't really pull their tackles a lot anyway. They don't pull really much at all. It's a lot of duo and then obviously outside zone. But really, you can just run mid zone where it's not – you're not trying to ask your tackles to get out in front. You're just saying, hey, push them vertically, overpower them, and work that way. So I do think he'd be a good fit. And, again, I, because he's kind of been an under-the-radar guy who's produced well, if you can get him on that kind of deal while you're still rebuilding, you can put that as, those assets elsewhere. I like that a lot. Now, Zach Moss, obviously the Patriots have Ramondre Stevenson. He did get hurt, but I heard that he's pretty healthy now. He might be 100%, I think. Um, so he should be good to go this season. Ezekiel Elliott was a great fit on the team, emerged as a leader. Tried to pick up the slack once Ramondre went down, but the blocking was just not there. It made his life a lot harder. But he showed he could pass catch. He could pass protect. Obviously, that's what he's known for. And he's still got more juice than I think people gave him credit for coming into the season. But Zach Moss, like I said earlier, really had a good season when he was the bell cow for the Colts early on. So what did you see from him, and why do you think he'd be a good fit? Yeah, so first I do want to shout out, like, Zeke did have, you know, I think a, a nice prove-it year of, like, I'm not, you know, totally washed up. I think he was a productive player and, and, you know, deserves a shout there. Moss, to me, is a good fit with Ramondre because when I watch him, he's an early down runner. Like, I'm not throwing him the football all that much. He is a good one-cut and get-up field. Like, I think his early issues in Buffalo were trying to bounce things a little bit too much and not just following his blocking and trusting the blocking and just going to the, you know, the gap he was supposed to attack. And then I think it, it clicked in Indianapolis. And you saw him just, like, he has a good burst, a good acceleration. I don't think his top end speed is great. Like, he's probably not going to break off an 80-yarder, but you'll see a lot of, like, 8- to 20-yard runs because he just hits a hole really fast with one cut get-up field. Colts run, run scheme was pretty diverse this year, too. Um, they had some outside zones, some, some inside zone concepts, some gap stuff, uh, a lot of pulling with Quentin Nelson, of course. Uh, you always want to get that big man moving in space. But I think that was the biggest thing I saw, saw with Moss is just, and I think even I would say this to myself as much as anybody else, underappreciate a running back that just follows the blocking and just hits the design. Yeah. The, the gap they're supposed to hit is an underrated skill set. And I think that just finally kind of came together for him in Indy. It's kind of like insurance. You take it for granted. But then when you actually watch a running back who doesn't do it, you're like, oh, my God, please just do what you're supposed to do. I get it. You're a great athlete. But, like, play the position and then let that kind of be a bonus. I really do like Zach Moss. I'm curious, outside of Austin Eckler, do you think there's any good receiving backs on the market? Because the Patriots, you know, Ramondre's done his best. But he's really not a third down back. He doesn't have the route running chops. He has soft hands, but you're not, like, trying to have him catch a bunch of wheel routes and things like that. So is there anybody, you know, Austin Eckler is in that mold, but anybody maybe younger who you think could fit that mold? Or do you think Austin Eckler is really as good as you can get? I mean, you know, like DeAndre Swift is a capable pass catcher. Um, you know, I think, funny enough, like still I think doesn't always hit the design gap uh, in the run game. Um, but, I mean, like you said, elite athlete, wants to break it off. It probably did even through his Georgia days. So I get why he feels that way. But good hands. I think a natural pass catcher um, probably would cost you a little bit more uh, than the guys we're talking about. But He's probably an option in that bucket. And I'm trying to think who else, you know, there's always guys that kind of, you know, fall through the woodwork, maybe potential cut candidates, but, but yeah. Oh, uh, who am I? Antonio Gibson in Washington. There's a good oh, one yeah. for you. Yeah. Former receiver that looks like it when you watch him, that, that there's a good option for you right there. 
Basically, just keep poaching from the commanders. I like that strategy. So once again, going to put up the realistic free agent targets. We got Jonathan Grenard from the Texans. We got a couple commanders and Curtis Samuel, Jacoby Brissett, Jermaine Illuminor, former Patriot. Maybe there's a homecoming. And Zach Moss of the Colts. Could be a few homecomings if this comes to fruition. Brad, it's been a pleasure as always, brother. Please let the people know where they can find you and what work you got coming down the pipeline. Because I know you've been killing it. Like I said, I've been referencing your charts and your lists for the past week. I'm sure I'm going to do it plenty more until these signings actually happen and are in the books. So, yep, fire away. Appreciate you so much, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. And like you're talking about, the free agent rankings are live now on PFF. we got a top 150 free agents. Uh, that is my baby. Uh, that, that is my uh, my life's work. So, so go check that out. And uh, it'll be out to 250 uh, plus players eventually. There's stats. There's write-ups just on Scheme Fit. And, and, and everything you can imagine is in there. Uh, so I appreciate you checking it out. You can literally sort from slim to thick. Two Cs. It is incredible. I, that's one of my favorite little things you guys got on your site. Once again, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you all, as always, for watching. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We will see you next time.